This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duff Lewis. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 12, Episode 18. This is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we have two reviews for you this week. Batman number 97, Joker War Part 3, and Detective Comics number 1026. Um, But first, we have a little bit of an intro question. What have you been reading that's not Batman? So I'm a terrible procrastinator, and one way I procrastinate is webtoons, which I'm totally addicted to. So I also get behind on my comic book reading. But anyway, I just discovered a webtoon called... Miss Abbott and the Doctor. And it's just this really adorable, like, turn-of-the-century, semi-Victorian story about just this crazy lady who was raised in the Amazon and has been brought back wherever it is. The The, the author said that this can kind of take place wherever you want it to. They speak English because that's the language she's writing it in, but she's actually Spanish. But it's just, it's, and, and anyway, she meets this uptight, snobby doctor. It's the most cliche thing, but it's so cute and just pure fluff and it's adorable. It's very inclusive. It's very sweet and loving and kind and it just makes you happy that schmaltzy love exists and it's just too cute. So that's what I've been reading. I have been reading a lot of indie comics as of late. I've, I've, I've probably been reading more indie comics in this past year or so than I have in my entire life of reading comic books. Uh, DC is, is, is still my top go-getter with regards to my comic pool, but it is the, the number of indie books that I'm reading has, is slowly starting to pick up. Um, Right now, I'm reading uh, the series Adventure Man by Matt Fraction from Image. Uh, I am reading uh, just a whole bunch of stuff. I'm reading Once in Future by by uh, Karen Gillian from uh, Boom Studios. And outside of the, the indie publisher, I've also been reading a lot of indie stuff from you know, Kickstarter campaigns. So there's a lot of stuff outside of Batman that I've been reading and it is uh, causing my pull to stack up quite high. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've also been uh, reading a lot of back issues on uh, DC universe, particularly 
Damien, son of Batman, uh, as well as Robin, son of Batman. Uh, I've just finished up both of the, both of those series, so that's where I am right now with reading. Eventually, one day I'll I'll, I'll clear this stack of books down. Robin, son of Batman, was such a great book. At least when Gleason was writing and drawing, I wasn't as big a fan when yep. Ray Fox took over. Yeah, I, I know they kept I know they kept Gleason on as as a as a plotter, but you could definitely tell he was no longer really influencing the book. Yeah, there were unfortunately health issues that caused the end of his involvement. So I've been reading a couple things. I read a prose novel called Or What You Will by Joe Walton. It's a metafictional sequel to Shakespeare's Twelfth Night in the Tempest, talking about creation and the authorial process and imaginary characters and how they interact with the author and whether the author thinks they're real. So it's a lot of fun thinking about the process of creating fiction. I also read all of Robert Vendetti's run on Hawkman, uh, inspired by his run on Superman, the Man of Tomorrow digital first series. And I would highly recommend both of those runs. Hawkman, I didn't expect to to like, because he's kind of such a silly golden slash silver age character with reincarnations and wings and all kinds of very silly um, science fantasy concepts. But Venditti really gives Hawkman a fun central concept and a really good supporting cast and a a really fun um, central motivation and villain to face so that is really well done in hawkman so i definitely would recommend checking that out even though the series is ending in the next uh three months it'll end in november with issue 29 but definitely catch up with that i read most of it on dc universe and so that's what i've been reading besides batman yeah, I know, I know you and I spoke about it, and I said I was going to pick it up because, again, like you, I've heard a ton of good stuff about how Venditti would how, how the job Venditti did on Hawkman, including Brian Hitch's art. He was he was on the art for what the first twelve issues or so, which is unheard of these days as an artist sticking on a title for an entire year without any fill-in. So that's really yeah, impressive. That was. Yeah, and so you know the idea of, of all of the reincarnations and the way Vendetti presented it, from how I've heard and read, is that not only was the reincarnation evident, which is you know typical of Hogman's story, but you know the timelines, you know that he was able to reincarnate himself, you know, not just you know in our universe, but in other universes as well. So I thought I, I definitely plan on picking that up, but Venditti is a very good writer. I, I really like him. Like, like I, like I told you off, off panel, uh, his work on, his work on freedom fighters was pretty good as well. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to check out whatever his next project is. He's been talking about having a cool next project. So I'll look forward to that with some excitement. Let's get into a little bit of comics news. Of course, we did our podcast with Theo and I talking about all the layoffs. And then Jim Lee did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, a pretty reputable news source for entertainment media. And in my opinion, I think Theo agrees with me. Both of us basically said what Jim Lee said, only Jim Lee had a few more details, of course. But basically the idea is 
this was always going to happen. Uh, corporate acquisitions always go undergo some serious restructuring because they've got new people looking over them and they have their own ideas about what they want to take forward. And they're definitely going to keep publishing comics. There is no interest in selling off or licensing out properties. So, And especially as the Batman universe, we're always going to have Batman comics to look at. And some people might even say probably too many because Batman currently sells. But that's good for our you know, community. So, And of course, as you can see, Theo and Steph and I all are interested in other things besides Batman. So we will continue to give perspectives outside of that. But this is the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. And so our main concern is going to be, are we going to keep having Batman? And as Theo and I said, and Jim Lee confirmed, of course, we're going to keep having Batman. And I'm, I'm frankly, I'm happy he confirmed again some of the stuff that you and I kind of hinted at with regards to uh, the fate of DC Universe. You know, he stated, hey, the, the, the original stuff is moving on to HBO Max, but... You know, he pretty much confirmed that it's going to be a comics only platform. And, you know, he and I both said that, you know, we're, we're both a okay with that. You know, my only thing is you either going to have to reduce the price or open up the library, one or the other. I agree. Uh, and I'm glad to see that he directly addressed it because I think the comic service has been just such a, a great tool. I mean, I just read a whole year and a little bit extra of Hawkman just sitting down with my tablet. So. It's a great tool to discover new series, and if they bump it up to six months, they could probably get new subscriber to ongoing series too. That way, so yeah, and and I and I also think you know that it was inevitable considering their their intentions on focusing on digital. It would have been very counterproductive if DCU would have just gone away. While they're claiming that you know that they're going to continue this push with digital, um, so it was inevitable, inevitable, and I'm okay with that. You know, again, just open up that library a little bit more, uh, release not only some more newer books, but as well as some more of the back library. And hey, I will continue paying, you know, my yearly subscription, and I'll do it monthly since they've taken that down. Uh, and I'm good. And I would also say they should consider publishing at least one exclusive DC Universe title a month, you know, just as a incentive, since they're taking away all the uh, the TV pro- uh, properties. And I would say that it's probably way cheaper to do just a digital comic a month that's exclusive to DC Universe than it would be for even one episode of a cartoon. Because uh, those are, you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars per episodes, whereas a comic is maybe six or 7,000 per issue, especially since it's digital, so they don't need to do any printing costs or distribution. Yeah, and they're also not taking away that, that community forum also. So they're, they're leaving a lot of stuff in place with the exception of the actual ori- original content. Um, now, I, I do, you know, question what happens with the non-original stuff, you know, the the old Wonder Woman episodes, Lois and Clark, so on and so forth. Do they do they go away as well, or what? I I mean, that's something we'll just have to keep waiting and seeing, I guess. So the other pit of news I wanted to report on before we get into our review for Batman is 
James Tynan has released news that he's doing a punchline one-shot. It'll be a little oversized, probably about 29 to 35 pages extra, uh, of a, a shot, and it'll be illustrated by Mirka Andolfo and co-written by James Tynan and Sam Johns, who also did a co-writing with him on... Uh, the spring, the Valentine's Day issue, I believe, is when they co-wrote a story with him. Uh, what do you guys think about a punchline one-shot? It's going to have Harper Rowe and her brother Cullen and Leslie Tompkins as supporting characters. Have you guys ever watched Mean Girls? I have not. Oh, and that well, was on purpose. Must. No, you must. It's. I don't have I to. Hate- I hate most teen movies, and Mean Girls is an ingenious gem in our generation. But anyway, in in this movie, I there's this whole horde. I Mean Girls, sorry. No, it's so good. Anyway. I watched Vampire Academy, which is by the same writer and director. No, 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 no. You need to watch Mean Girls. But anyway, in it, there's this gaggle of, of the popular girls. And even within their little gaggle, you know, there's still popularity contests. Anyway. So, so one of the girls says fetch to everything. Like her word is, that is so fetch. Oh my gosh, that's so fetch. And no one else is saying it. She's the only one who says it. So finally, the, the alpha, the alpha female just turns to her and yells and says, Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Because it's not catching on. And no matter how much you try to force it. Some things just don't catch on, and that's how I'm. Wait before you before you say which it is. I'm gonna <laughs> guess that you're gonna say it's Harper that is fetch. No, it's no. freaking punchline. Oh, stop trying to make punchline happen. Like this is forcing a character into popularity. Like I have never seen. Harley was organic. She came out as a character that was supposed to be a one-off. I think she was supposed to be in one episode of the animated series, and now she's queen of the comics. And I just feel like this is forcing something and not letting it happen organically. If the public liked her, they would want more. I feel like this is just forcing it, but that's my opinion. There is one reason why I am interested in seeing this book, uh, and it's not because of punchline, and it's not because of JT writing. I am a big, big fan of Maker and Dolfo's art. Um, I've been reading, and again, me being in all of these indie books as of late, uh, she actually has two different series going on right now. Um, one being Mercy, which is a beautiful comic, beautifully drawn by Adolfo. And then the other being uh, Unsacred, which is kind of a comic book of love between good and evil. Uh, but again, if you've also read her uh, series, Again, from Image, which was a natural, again, beautifully drawn art. I am a huge fan of, of, of hers. So if she's on the art, 
I'll be picking it up strictly for that. But it's not because I am interested in punchline. You know, as I mentioned in the previous episode, you know, she she has some more skins to hang on the wall before uh, she she earns that type of respect from me. I, I mean, as as you all know from episode three hundred, I really liked Punchline's origin, and I think she's got legs. I think that she is the fetch that's going to happen. I think Harper is the fetch that isn't going to happen, but Tynan loves her, and that's okay. He co-created her with Scott Snyder, and I don't hate her. I just think that she is not nearly as interesting as other potential characters that Tynan could be using. But those potential characters, I'll go on the record. I'm going to reckon say I hate her. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, you can take Dustin's place on that uh, spot. I can't quite take Stella's place on on Harper, because I don't love her quite as much as Stella does, but I do like her. So I will defend her, even though I think that if Tynan weren't writing Batman, there is obviously no way she'd come back. And I would also say that I like Mirka and Dolphin too. I've checked out Unsacred. It's a, kind of a fun romance definitely not for the kitties though please don't show that to small listeners um and i liked her one issue of wonder woman during uh rucka's run she she did a fill-in issue that was quite nice and remember she also did the holly black white and red too oh yeah she did uh one of those uh digital firsts she's she's a very busy lady she does a lot of art and i think she does a lot of writing too so with that news out of the way let's get to our reviews with batman number 97 written by james tynan the fourth drawn by jorge jimenez and colored by tomu more summary Punchline oversees Joker's empire, gleefully abusing the power of Bruce Wayne's money, but learns of Clown Hunter's campaign to kill clowns. Batman fights Joker's zombified army as Joker monologues through speakers. He continues to hallucinate, so he blindfolds himself, finally using an EMP to destroy Joker's ability to control the corpses, collapsing outside the theater at Harley's feet. Punchline lets Joker know about the Clown Hunter which amuses her boss since the boy clearly doesn't follow Batman's rules. Joker orders the death of both Clown Hunter and Harley to Punchline's delight. Harley wakes Batman up in one of Ivy's secret gardens underneath Gotham, telling him she has finally given him the drugs to flush out the Joker toxin from his system. He begins to hallucinate even more seriously, and we see Alfred telling him they need to talk. So, Joker War, Part 3. How is Jorge Jimenez's art and Tomu Mori's colors going for you? Uh, I mean, they're good. They're great. They're colorful and bright. I, I, I know it's a little weird, but I actually scanning through all this, the whole issue is actually pretty colorful. Like this isn't your doom and gloom, black and blue and gray Batman. This is lots and lots of color for different reasons, but the the underground garden which is so cool <laughs> it's so bright and colorful i just i loved the brightness and the fun in this issue despite it being you know moderately depressing <laughs> yeah the art was beautiful and again before before steph mentioned it i was the, the first thing that popped out to me with regards to how vibrant it was was 
uh, the the few pages that we got with Bruce in Ivy's garden that was just uh, quite beautiful. And again, you know, it was pretty bright throughout the issue. You know, you didn't have too many dark scenes at all. And I'm okay with that. I think the art's really great. I love the way that Jimenez has just a really spiky but also very appealing style. And Tomu Mori's colors work way better than I thought it would. Um, I think Jimenez works best with a very bright palette, and Moray really brings that in a in a subtle way as well as in a in a really vibrant way. So, art's been phenomenal and definitely one of the most engaging things about the arc for me. Do you think that really poo pooing the arc that much because the art is really top notch? Right, exactly. The art is A+. I mean, of course, you expect Batman to have A-plus art, but I would say this is it, is... it is a step above. I think Jorge Jimenez is a great star, and I think that this should give him even more platform to do whatever he wants to draw next. Um, although, like I more, really like hope he doesn't... Like more super sense. What? Oh, more like super more sense. super sense. <laughs> yeah, I was... <laughs> I will not endorse such a plan, but if he does it, I hope that he does it well. I do hope that he doesn't go the route of being a writer-artist, because I feel like we have too many of those who haven't worked out, and we've lost their art for stronger writing. So I hope that he... and. Honestly, if he wants to write, that's, of course, his choice. And if he's more creatively fulfilled, I just have not seen most writers turn out to be the same caliber artist when they are writing as they are when they're drawing with a a dedicated writer. Do you think that this story progresses a bit more than the last two issues of Joker War? Honestly, remember what exactly happens two issues ago, but I remember, you know, last week in particular was more cerebral, more internal to Batman and stuff rather than plot moving forward. So definitely more than the last issue. I I don't remember what happened in the issue before that. Yeah, it it, it it's 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 fast. It, it has a faster pace than the, than the mm-hmm. previous two issues, but it still seems to be a little bit slow. Um, definitely compared, you know, especially if you look at how things really went with regards to the last issue of Detective Comics and how quickly that progressed from start to finish. This one is is getting there, but it's not there yet. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, the the last issue of Detective Comics I liked because it set up a goal and accomplish a goal. And of course you can't, you can do that in a one off spin off issue, but you can't really do that in an arc, but uh, you can set up smaller goals. And I feel like Batman does accomplish a goal, which is why I would say that this accomplishes a bit more or moves a little faster than the last couple issues, but it's still very much setting things up. It doesn't seem like either Batman or Joker really has an end game that they're working towards. Joker kind of feels like he's already won and that means he's kind of complacent so he's not driving the story and batman hasn't revealed or hasn't figured out how to win yet so that or hasn't stopped being drugged (laughs) yes and so 
that's another thing. So Batman succeeds in getting out of Joker's trap, which is one goal. And he also is well on the way to getting rid of the drugs, which is the second goal. So that's sort of why I'm saying I feel like this progressed more because each of the other issues sort of didn't really progress him past climbing a building or uh, let's see what he do in the last issue walking into Joker's trap. I mean, that's basically what he did in the first two issues. So, 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 so let me ask this, since we're talking about the progression of the issue and the overall Joker war, uh, when we spoke about the, the tie in last episode, you know, we, we, we came up with the question of whether or not we knew where exactly detective was in relation to where we are with, Tynan's story. Are we ready to kind of do that now? I mean, this one doesn't have any gaps. Batman escapes the trap and walks right into Harley's arms, and then Harley keeps him out. So there's no time in which Batman could be helping Batwoman save Lucius. So I still say it happens between him running out in the street from Harley in the last issue and going into the sewer, walking into Joker's trap. So that's where I still think it happens. That makes sense. I, well, I'm kind of, I'm kind, and and I'm going to be the contrarian again. I'm still <laughs> thinking that the issue happens. I'm going to say the issue even happens after this because we're at the point now where the Joker toxin is starting to clear Batman's system, and I still don't believe he he had the toxin when he was helping Kate and and the GCPD. But I guess we still have some issues to figure it out. I think you're absolutely right that it could well be in the future. Um, I'm making an assumption when I place it in the middle of issue 92. And sorry, um, let me think. That would be 96. Sorry. So it is absolutely an assumption I'm making, and you could well be right. But right now. So, so am I. So am I. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't have a problem if I'm wrong. And I think Theo wouldn't have a problem if. You know, it it does happen in 96. It, it doesn't really affect the story either way. And, of course, if Lucius still has to be captive in a later issue, it has to happen after that. So um, that's kind of the key issue. We don't know if Tynan is going to address Lucius further in Batman or if he just decided to let Tynan, uh, Tomasi handle that in tech. So I think we're sort of still in limbo there. Let me also draw out, well, let me also draw out these breadcrumbs as well, because remember in tech that punchline was not in the sublevel with the rest of the clowns just like she leaves um she's at the warehouse with the goons before heading to joker's spot so that could also you know kind of point in that direction as well but again that's just me assuming right i don't have i don't have tomasi's nor uh tynan's ear on this you should totally tweet them and see if they'll tell you on twitter no it seems like it will be the, the, the response I'll get. <laughs> you never know. Um, so next question, how do Punchline and Clown Hunter work for you in this issue? Well, since Punchline's got no one to try and murder, except for their own people, obviously, she seems to be doing more, I don't know, I saw her more as like, not a, not a secretary, but almost like a ex- business administrator. I guess, maybe, like... A girl Friday, maybe she's just, I don't know. She's just a different, not a different characterization, but she's just doing different things. And we're 
not, not uh, used to seeing her do. Like this is more like the logistics of the plan rather than the slicey dicey <laughs> knifey go lightly <laughs> that she has been. Even though she does get a little knifey. Hashtag knifey go knifey go lightly. Hashtag knifey go lightly. It's a play on uh, what's her name? Go lightly. You know, Holly go lightly. Holly, thank you. <laughs> I haven't even seen okay, that movie. I kept wanting to say Harley go lightly, but that's not right. I'm um, sure someone's made that joke. <laughs> um, Clown Hunter is vicious. He is not going to get the bat seal of approval. Anti-clown but... toxin for the win. <laughs> but he is definitely doing what someone... I... He feels like this needs to get done, and it's it's a... They're in a crappy spot. Like, there's probably not too many solutions. And unfortunately, killing goons might seem like the only way to a kid who obviously doesn't have Bruce's billions to help him with gadgets and tools and whatever. So I liked him. Yeah, with the exception of of a few panels where she's threatening the, the clown goons who's afraid to go to the Narrows because of clown hunter um i agree with steph you know punchline seems a little different even even almost almost harley like with those few panels where she's hugging it up with the joker uh which is in and of itself a different topic that i just can't get out of my head yeah so it, it was it was it was it was just different seeing her in this in this different type of role of, of, of more henchman than, than partner as she's always claimed herself to be. Um, clown hunter. I love this kid. You know, he, 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 he he's going to be the, the issue where he and Batman meets. is going to be quite interesting. It's going to be quite interesting to see how Tynan, has these two interact with each other. He's almost like a little Damien from the very beginning. Like, this is just post-League of Assassins Damien, almost. Except he's a vigilante. Yeah, and and, and, and if, you, if you didn't think, you know, if, if he was a little bit shorter, considering that in Teen Titans, you know, Damien is pretty much giving up the giving up the Robin mantle, you could almost wonder whether or not, you know, Damien could be clown hunter in real mm-hmm. life. But, you know, of course that's not, not the case. Well, I still think that punchline is interesting. Although Tynan hasn't really utilized. I mean, she mostly just sort of plays the role of Darth Vader, threatening goons and killing <laughs> people who disappoint her and um, being excited about killing her rival. She doesn't, really develop the thematic stuff that I think is so interesting about her concept. Clown Hunter, of course, I hate the Joker, so someone who fights the Joker like this is pretty good in my book. Uh, And as I said, as I indicated, I love his anti-clown toxin, which is basically just pouring gasoline on clowns and lighting them on fire. Gosh, so... Which leads us to our next question. How does the Joker work for you in this story? So at first I was a little taken aback because he seems to really be adapting to the millionaire lifestyle. And I've still got this 
idea in my head that this is all one night, but at this point, Batman's been passed out for a couple of nights since his fortune was taken. And yeah, so it's been a few days. So that it was okay, I guess. It's a little weird seeing him in a such a tight swimsuit. Oh gosh, there's a bulge. Oh gosh. Um <laughs> uh it, it's a little weird, but I mean if I had lots of money, I'd probably go a little crazy. If if and I was evil, I'd probably be more responsible than I care to admit if I got that much money. But if I was evil, I definitely would would probably go all out and Joker's goes to just having fun that's what he does i think that's actually even though we don't see him like this too often i think that's totally with the game character oh it was terrible, it was terrible. <laughs> i did not i i did okay it's, it's okay to, to 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 live the lavish lifestyle but i did not want to see the joker damn near in the buff in this in this speedo style swimming trunks that was terrible just terrible not, and when I live, when I say it can't be unseen, it really can't be unseen. Anytime somebody mentions Joker to me now, that's what's going to pop into my head. It's just terrible. I mean, I kind of hinted at this before, but I feel like Joker feels like he's already won. He's kind of complacent. He doesn't have that manic drive to pull off a wacky caper. He's sort of at the top, and it's a weird spot for him. And I wonder if that's on purpose by Tynan, if he's trying to show that Joker prefers almost being the underdog. But, I don't know, he definitely wasn't my favorite part, but he's the Joker, so he's never going to be the favorite part of any issue he's in. Uh, and that's just my personal reading on, on Joker. So, let's give this a rating out of five leaf puppets, like Harley's leaf puppet that she Are wakes Batman puppets? up. Uh, and moderately terrifying um you know the art was so good and even there's no they don't even mention catwoman in this issue but i guess the only person who really cares is batman and he's a little high on life right now um i say three and a half i i enjoyed it there was a bit more joker bulge than i wanted to see but but three and a half well, the fact that we got a a Joker bowl, just the reason why I'm going to drop it, a half a leaf puppet, and I'm going to give it a three. I'm keeping it at a three and a half myself. Over on the website, Scott gave it a four and a half out of five leaf puppets. So that gives us an average three and a half. All right. So a nice, easy number. No Dustin pulling his hair out over our fractions of fractions. <laughs> so we will discuss detective comics next hey guys i gotta go but enjoy talking about detective comics and let me know what you think what where are you going i'm going to colorado i have to go my luggage is packed and the car is running and i gotta go but i will see you guys in two weeks i will remember you will you Don't let your life pass you by Weep not So, we're going to move on to Detective Comics number 1026. Take it away, Theo.
Detective Comics 1026, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Kenneth Rockefort. Standing above the streets of Gotham, Batman is pondering on the events as his war with the Joker rages on. Down on the streets below, three armored security guards are working to move some bank bags to a secure location. Suddenly, a manhole cover strikes one of the guards. The armored truck is flipped over, and a large green figure grabs the other two guards, dragging them into the sewer. The third guard recovers and begins shooting into the manhole until Batman stops him, warning him of possibly hitting his partners. After learning more about the situation, including figuring that Killer Croc was responsible for the kidnappings, Batman overhears screams coming from down the street. He arrives to find that others have also been taken. Batman descends into the Gotham sewers. As he advances, the suit's computer informs him of the toxicity of the sewer water and warns him that prolonged exposure to the chemicals in the water will cause gene mutation and death. Using his audio amplifier, Batman followed the screams of the kidnapped people until he's able to locate Croc's lair. He finds Croc with some new partners, individuals who seem to have been mutated with other animals. Croc explained how he had turned over a new leaf in life until the Joker and his goons made their way to Mastertown and tore it to pieces. He decided to create a new one in the Swords of Gotham, hoping that he and the others would be left alone. He also explained how his mutated friends came to be. Croc wants to bring others down to the sewers for protection from the war above. Batman attempts to warn Croc of the dangers of the chemicals in the water, but unfortunately, Croc doesn't believe him. He orders his team to kill Batman. Batman dives into the contaminated water as Croc gang begins to spray the area with gunfire. Croc tells them to stop, and he waits for Batman to come up for air. As he does, Batman tosses batterings and shot emitters, taking the gang members down. Croc challenges Batman to a one-on-one battle, stating that if Batman wins, he can take everyone in. If Batman loses, he leaves with the kidnapped individuals. The combatants go back and forth before they both go for one final blow. At Arkham Asylum, Batman is getting Croc and his gang settled into their cells. He promises them the best of care, including a reversal of their conditions if a cure can be found. Before leaving, he goes and sits with Croc. He thanks him for honoring the deal. As they shake hands one last time, Batman addresses Croc by his real name, Waylon. So, Steph had some thoughts and questions that she left for us. She said that she liked how they tried to try tie in Gotham City monsters, even though it makes no sense for the current Batman. I'm not quite sure why it doesn't make sense. I mean, that's still part of continuity, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah, it, it, and again, this is from, from the person that reviewed 
a few of those issues for the site. It was definitely uh, within continuity, you know, from the time of City of Bane. And ironically, it also included Batwoman. So it was kind of ironic that in both of Tomasi's two tie-ins for Joker War, uh, we see two of the main characters, uh, well, main and minor character from Gotham City Monsters because Kate did not come in until maybe the third or fourth issue of the six-issue run. Was Gotham City Monsters connected at all to the Night of the Monster Men trade? Because, I mean, Orlando wrote both it of was, those. It was, it was basically the sequel of that. So, ah. um, so basically, this part of town, it was basically the part of town where... Monster Batman, Town. Yeah, basically Monster Town. And it was occupied by some mutated people, people that Croc could relate to, uh, you know, because he was pretty much in the same same condition as as they were in one shape or form and so you know he he found refuge there and even after the events of everything that went on with Melmot which included the murder of of one of his friends he you know he stayed in Monster Town and kind of took it as as his little mini Gotham to watch over yeah, it was definitely continuity, though. It was definitely continuity because basically, you know, and it was stated in in the in one of the issues. Matter of fact, it was probably the first issue that Bane had made it a point to not cross into Monster Town. He basically left that alone during City of Bane, which makes sense, and it's a nice little way for Orlando to play without disrupting. Like I, I wish other writers were that clever in sort of setting up their story so it can fit in continuity without stepping on the toes of big things that are going on, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think it's actually really expected that Tomasi would do this kind of thing. As a former editor, he did. He's, he's always loved folding pieces of continuity together. I mean, his very first run in Batman and Robin, he put together Denny O'Neill's Henri Descartes character from Shaman and the man who falls and, you know, combine that with, you know, the legend of Damien that Grant Morrison had created. So he, he really mm-hmm. enjoys that kind of connection and bringing up small pieces of trivia. And it makes the world feel like it matters. It makes pieces, former stories matter to reference them like that. So I and thought it's ironic you, you mentioned that because I just finished reading uh, Robin's Son of Batman, which, you know, in that oh, first, such in that a first great, arc, Such a great series. Well, yeah, the first half. First arc, yeah, the first half. And then in, in that first arc, you know, Gleason kind of tied things up oh, as man. well. With it's such to a great arc. parallel with the first arc of Batman and Robin. Yep. Oh, my goodness. So good. I love that yeah, series. You, you, you saw how quick and, and, you know, even though, you know, the credits kept saying that, you know, Gleason was plotting it, it you could tell that he really was he he really didn't have as much of a touch on it when fox took over yeah yeah i mean fox is fine big fan of gotham by midnight but robinson of batman was kind of a shadow of its former self when gleason left yep i kind of wish they just let it be a mini because that first trade is amazing and the, the rest of it really felt like kind of a rehash because it just did the same basic thing with slightly different bad guys 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, once once Gleason was off, not only writing but the art, everything oh, yeah. kind of just suffered. Yeah, the art. I mean, Gleason's a top artist. He's so good, and Raymond Box is fine, but he's nowhere close to Gleason. His style no. really doesn't fit with Gleason's either. I wish they'd done something like Jorge Jimenez. I think would have been much better, but I'm sure. Well, actually, at that point, Jimenez wasn't that expensive. I think he's a lot more expensive now. I would agree with that. Okay, so do you think that a bat-friendly or maybe at least an anti-Joker killer croc will show up at the end of Batman-Joker War? Steph says that she hopes so because otherwise this story is unnecessary. What do you think? I don't know. I don't think so, but I also also don't agree that it's unnecessary and i kind of touched upon it in my review and we actually touched upon it a few times in previous episodes of the cast you know this is now another member of the rogues gallery who's kind of going through a redemption with batman so we've had freeze we've had two-face and now we've had croc even though croc was you know kind of over turned over a new leaf anyway but you now have, you know, Batman relating with Croc shaking his hand. And so now this is another rogues gallery member that we've seen, you know, redeemed in some way by Bruce. And it just kind of makes you wonder whether or not it's going to lead to something somewhere down the line. I, if Tomasi's on the book for a while, I think there's a good chance this will come back. Now, This, unfortunately, is not borne out by the last year of stories. Tomasi hasn't really brought a lot of stuff back, which has been one of my disappointments. Because in Batman and Robin, and I didn't read all of Superman, but I'd say Super Sons, there was definitely a sense that he he would bring things back. He would make stories matter, you know, build on them. I mean, his Detective Comics run hasn't really built on itself very much, which I've been disappointed by. But I think there's a good chance he could build on this. I mean, Croc is a great character. Um, We'll get into this with the next question a bit, but I hope so. In terms of whether he shows up in Joker War, I love it. Uh, We know Batwoman's showing up in Joker War, but she's part of the Bat family, so that's a little different. But I think there's a good chance that Tynan could do... I mean, Tynan is doing the, the Iceberg Lounge or whatever it is. Penguin and all the villains who are waiting out. And we know that Catwoman is going to try and rally some people to help her fight Joker. I think either a next issue or the issue after that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Croc showed up, and that would be really cool. If we saw Tynan and Tomasi intertwining like that, that would make me super happy. And I, I really hope that Tynan references, you know, Bruce and Kate rescuing Lucius when Kate shows up again. I think that would be really cool. It would it just have to be a line. He said, haven't seen you since we rescued Lucis. You know, that kind of thing. It would be so easy. And then they could do an editor's note. See Detective Comics 125. It writes itself, right? But I mean, even if that doesn't happen, I like how this fleshed out Joker War. We'll talk a little bit about timing later, but in terms of a story, I thought it was fun. How do you think it compared to the last issue? Well, and again, I mentioned in my review, I, it didn't seem as much of a tie-in as the previous issue. This one seemed, you knew it was a tie-in because, you know, Batman mentions the war. Croc mentions the war. But after those few mentions, it was really a issue that focused strictly on Batman and Croc and the people down there with him. So it didn't, it, it didn't feel to me as much of a tie-in. 
especially compared to 1025. I'd agree. I think that, and I, I think that last issue just was a bit more satisfying to me because it does end with them rescuing Lucius. Whereas this one, I mean, he stops Croc and he sort of gives Croc a, a turn in his character, but it doesn't feel quite as, I don't know, satisfying. I mean, the last one was... It, it was very isolated. Yeah. But, I mean, the last one was very much like a big action. I mean, it felt like an 80s action movie. I think there was even, like, references to 80s action movies in the cover or something. But this one was much more horror-y. And I'm not as big a, a horror guy. I, I prefer action to horror if I have a preference, although I have preferences to even those. But... I liked the character focus. I liked, I actually really liked the fact that uh, Tomasi introduced all these characters who were mutated and then didn't kill them off. I was worried they're all just going to get, you know, killed off like new henchmen tend to do. So I thought that was a, a really nice piece to the story. How low on the totem pole is poor killer Croc that no one he attacked or bothered knew who he was? Well, if we, if we, go by the the alphabet i've always seen croc as maybe low b c list you know i i've never seen him i've, I've never personally seen him in the in the upper echelons of the rogues gallery personally so i wouldn't have an issue with many in the in the crowd feeling the same way now re- remember the only the, the only person who didn't know was the security guard because I believe it was the reptile mutant sorry Marvel no trademark violations but it, it it was that one that was mutated with the with the lizard that had took taken the couple in that later scene so it wasn't Croc that did that it was someone else but yeah, so uh, it, it it was nothing for me because again, I've never seen Croc as anywhere higher than a, a a low B, maybe C. For me, I I took a different approach to this. Croc has spent, I would say, a really good chunk of the last five or six years being more of an antihero, or even a supporting hero type character. He was an ally to Catwoman during Batman Eternal and Valentine's Catwoman run. Catwoman was being an antihero there, so he wasn't, you know, trying to eat people. He he was actively helping people. I forgot about him in Valentine's run. Oh, yeah, such a good run. But he was also, I think he was pretty positive in Gotham Academy. Wasn't he sort of a friend to Maps and uh, Olive in that run? I cannot remember because I, I did not, I probably got through that first volume of Gotham Academy academy i did not read the whole thing i mean i can't blame you i know stella really loves that run that that whole series but for me it was a lot weaker but i did read through it because i I did fall in love with the character of maps and i'm pretty sure that croc was her friend i'm pretty sure he was a a semi-positive character in that run and so i think that dc has really sort of edged him away from from a really villainous role. I think even early in the New 52 with Batwoman, Croc had sort of a, an anti-hero type position in the Batwoman series by J.H. Williams and uh, W. Hayden Blackman. I think that was drawn by Franco Francavilla as sort of a villain's month thing. And then of course, there was Suicide Squad. The movie? Or was he in one of the comics? He was in the comics for a while. Uh, okay. I've, I don't read a lot of Suicide Squad comics. Yeah, because cause as, as 
Gotham City Monsters began, he was mentioning finishing his time with the squad. That would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. And that would be during Rebirth. So I think maybe Rebirth set him up as being part of the Suicide Squad. And then when Suicide Squad, the title ended, he was freed up for series like Gotham City Monsters. So that, that'd be a cool character progression. And Suicide Squad often has sort of an anti-hero portrayal of many villains. Not all, of course, but many. Um, so that'd be I'll my answer, is that I think he's more of an anti-hero, and so he's not going to be as well-known as a villain, because he's not going to be going for those high body counts as, like, what, when he was in the 90s, when he was just eating people. True horror. Yeah. When did this issue happen during Joker War? Uh, so... I am going to definitely say, you know, I'm, I've, I've always held the belief that, you know, 1025 happened after uh, 96. 96 was part one, I believe. So I, I will go ahead and say that this takes, you know, this happened sometime after that as well. I, I think both issues, 1025 and 1026, happens after... Bruce recovers from punchline toxin poisoning. And I'm going to die on that hill. I have no real idea. I don't think it can fit where I put the last issue because the Batman in the last issue, 1025, teaming up with Batwoman, it felt kind of ad hoc. It didn't feel like he was doing a patrol, whereas this one felt like he was doing a patrol, sort of had a rhythm and was fully outfitted. He was fully teched up. So I, I'd have much more difficulty placing that. I'm hoping that there's sort of some stuff in the following three issues of Batman that give us a clue of what's going on with where Batman is. I do too, but I'm not going to hold out hope because we were kind of hoping for the same thing when we got once we reviewed 1025 that we would could, we would have gotten some type of hint with regards to Lucius being you know saved or Kate being around and JT mentioned nothing of it. Well, Kate hasn't showed up in Batman yet. He, she will right, in right, 99. But, but, but so. I'm saying you know JT didn't mention neither one in in 97. In Bat- right. Yeah. Well, I mean, 97, JT has this thing where he, he really likes, you know, packing up, packing in the issues in a short amount of time. I mean, we were talking about how the last 10 issues of Batman before Joker War all took place on the same night. So the fact that Joker War has not really had a lot of gaps in the time frame, although I still say that there is a gap that 1025 could fit into between him escaping Harley going into the theater. I think... I think that's where he saves Lucius with Batwoman, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't talking to Alfred at no point in ten twenty five. But was it really from Batman's perspective? I feel it was more from Batwoman's perspective. And oh, yeah, he was. He was definitely a supporting character, most definitely. So maybe I, I would just... say that Batwoman just wasn't paying attention, and maybe he would muttered to Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> Off panel. Uh, uh, oh, we're going to off panel land again. Okay. You know it, man. That's the only way that these crossovers ever really make sense. Well, there's a whole lot of off panel in between uh, the main the main story arc and Nightwing and Batgirl. You're telling me. Ugh. All right. So let's uh, give our rating for this issue. Def gave it a three out of five. 
see. Let's give it a three out of five Crocs. So I gave it a three out of five. I would have given it three and a half, but again, because it didn't feel like a true tie-in to me, I, I, I knocked it down a half a Croc or whatever. So, yeah, but still a good issue, three out of five. Yes, it was an enjoyable issue. Art was still good. I've liked both this issue and the last issue. I'm also going to give it a three out of five. I think it was enjoyable, but it wasn't as good as last issue. So I think across the board, that's kind of our reaction, which means we don't have to do any math. Overall, it's a three out of five. Crocs. We got one piece of listener feedback. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Caspian73 on the Discord said that he's still working through last episode. He actually likes artists not staying on for a long stretch on double-shipped books, as long as the artists are good, of course. I like seeing a variety of styles. In response to our question of the week last week, which is what are your favorite non-TBU comics character, he said that it is Zane Carrick from Knights of the Old Republic during the Dark Horse Star Wars series. He also really liked Tintin and Asterix going up. He says, I'm also a big Avatar fan and have been doing a rewatch recently. We're going to assume that this is Avatar The Last Airbender and not James Cameron Avatar because that's what Steph was talking about. And I, I think those are fantastic choices. Zane, a very interesting character in a very interesting series that had a lot of uh, exploration of Star Wars during uh, an unusual time frame. Particularly loved the Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic video games, and the comic was a very interesting addition to that. Tintin and Asterix, really fun. Especially Tintin. Much better than the movie. Wasn't a big fan of the movie, but the comics themselves were really fun adventure stories. Just intrepid adventure with a clever dog and lots of funny characters. Yeah. I, I, I know when we discussed that question, I never I never even phantomed to think outside of the comic book world because I could have easily come up with something like Calvin and Hobbes or something like that. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, Peanuts. I mean, there's so many great comics and all of them, I think, are worth thinking about in some ways. I mean, maybe some less deeply than others, but it's really fun, the variety that comics offers over hundreds of years, I would say. We do have a question of the week this week, which is, other than Joker and Bane, what Batman villain do you think a major run could be structured around? So Joker, obviously, was a big centerpiece for both Scott Snyder and now James Heinen's run. And Bane was the centerpiece for most of Tom King's run, although later Flashpoint Batman became more of a center. But I really don't think Flashpoint Batman is going to be an A-list rogue. So what what do you think? I think if done correctly and not in the... Not in the framework of zero year. I think a I think a run with the Riddler would be absolutely wonderful. Again, as long as not as long as it's not in the realm of zero year or war of jokes and riddles. But you know that that's you know a lot of people have talked about wanting to see a, a true Riddler in the movies. I want to see a true Riddler arc that truly almost like a chess game that we got with. Doing the grand design arc, if we can get a, a nice back and forth between Edward and Bruce that truly spotlights how much of a genius Edward Nigma is and how he can truly challenge Batman intellectually, that would be great. 
Yeah, I was actually thinking about Riddler myself, although I would say Clue Master, of course. But we already have a Clue Master arc with Batman Eternal. I think I would be very interested. And I don't know how feasible this is at this time. But I would be very interested in a Poison Ivy versus Batman. I didn't like the way Tom King wrote Poison Ivy. I thought she was too passive and too manipulated by their characters in both Heroes in Crisis and in Batman. But I think the idea of Everyone Loves Ivy, I wouldn't take it as far as Tom King did. But I think Batman having to take back part of Gotham from Ivy would be a really interesting arc. Especially if she mind-controlled a bunch of Gotham City's, you know, city council members and the mayor. So Batman had to fight both a political war as Bruce and had to fight, you know, her creatures and the encroaching green. I think it would be really cool. And and she wouldn't have to be a pure villain. She could have very, you know, sympathetic motivations while still... Well, that was going to be my question. Would, you know, would, would, she would, would be an antagonist, she would, but she she wouldn't be a hero, in other words. But I don't think you have to make her a villain to make a really interesting story, you know? So, like an elongated Croc story, you know? Croc yeah. has good intentions, he's just going by it the wrong way. Right. And, you know, maybe she goes too far in the end and she has to be brought back. But I think it could be really cool. I know that most writers wouldn't want to do that right now because the online reaction would just be so frustrating. Like, you would have to basically just leave all social media. And even then... Is really that big? It's I mean, not I, that I big, but they're that dedicated. I've tried... I've looked at what happens when someone uses Poison Ivy, and if a certain small group of fans gets angry at you, they spend a lot of times just filling up the mentions of the creators about it. Well, I remember the outrage when uh, that Clay Man... Uh, picture the the cover for Heroes in Crisis was posted, and, and the outrage that came over that, not just from you know the sexual connotations that a lot of people um, ran it over, but also from the fact that he was killing Ivy. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to get into Heroes in Crisis too much here, but I think that touching ivy right now isn't worth it to most creators and i think that's a shame because i think she's a character that if handled in a way that's unafraid to make her antagonistic could be really interesting but i don't think the fan conversation is in a place where that would be worthwhile Hmm. yeah i can't think of i can't think of anyone else so yeah, Riddler, Riddler would still be my choice. No, no, I think Riddler's a great choice. I was just going for my my choice, you know. Yeah, yeah, Roz, uh, tie the Roz. Roz would be great. I, I mean, we haven't had a good long Roz story for a while. I mean, Tynan used him, but it was sort of, it wasn't really a Roz story. It was more of a Shiva story. And um, well, what yeah. made me, t- what what makes me tire of Roz is actually what's going on in Outsiders, and I just think that's. Hill's depiction is not a great one. And I, and I'm a Hill fan. Yeah. I I'd have to check up uh, sorry, catch up to know exactly how that goes, but I do think that the weakness Don't I've noticed in Don't Outsiders you. is that it tends to drag out things or repeat things too much. I think that it would benefit if he tried to take the plot that he's putting in two issues and try and squish 
at least one and a half of those issues into one issue and it would speed it up a bit more. Yeah. It, the way the way I picture it is there were there was, you know, some who who commented back when Bendis first did Ultimate Spider Man and he you know, it took him sixteen issues to tell the same story that Stanley and Ditko was able to do in two. And that's kind of what you see what's going on in Outsiders. You know, the story probably could have ended a long time ago, but it's just dragging and dragging and it's not it's not really going anywhere, which is probably why it's one of the reasons why it's being canceled. Yeah. I mean I think it's it's mostly being canceled because of sales, but I'd say that the sales are where they are because of what you're talking about. That is not quite connecting, you know? So that takes care of our reviews and our listener feedback feel free to give us feedback again on discord twitter at tbu underscore comics on itunes or spotify and as we mentioned previously in the cast steph had to leave us but i have been ian and this is theo and thank you for listening to the batman universe comics podcast we'll see you next time